Netflix is now more valuable than Disney. Logan director James Mangold is going to direct a Boba Fett standalone movie and Sesame Street is suing the Happy Time Murders movie. All this and more on today's movie news wrap up. Hello, all you beautiful people and you fucking nerds. This is the Rated Par Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Parr, aka Rated Par, and today I have a little bit of a special guest. <laughs> uh, she's giggling in the background. My amazing partner, girlfriend, Amanda. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> she is going to help me with a bit of commentary on this week's movie news wrap-up. Uh, as she is also one of my favorite nerds and loves entertainment and film stuff as well. So I thought I'd get her two cents on these stories. So first up, Netflix, the giant behemoth film TV content subscription service, is officially worth more than the Disney Corporation. This is coming from Variety that's uh, put out this statistic, I want to say maybe a day or two ago, that from this report that officially state that as of 12.15 p.m. Eastern Time that day, Netflix shares were up 1.9% to an all-time high of $351.09 per share. That gives the company a market cap of nearly $162 billion. Now, comparing to Disney stock, which was actually on that same time and day, was down by 1.1% in midday trading, to 101.74 cents per share, yielding a market cap to close of 152 billion. So that's a 10 billion dollar difference in market share. So that's pretty fucking nuts. I know you're a huge Disney fan. I am a huge Disney fan. And you swear by all Pixar movies. I do. Pixar is is the best. <laughs> So what do you what are your first sort of thoughts on this report that Netflix has gotten that big to overtake the mouse itself? I didn't be really believe it at first because just based on everything that Disney owns now also cuz you've got Marvel, you've got Star Wars, you've got all of that. I was like there's no way. But then I was thinking about it how worldwide and almost more worldwide Netflix is compared to Disney. Um, I, I was like, wow, that's, that's actually pretty cool. And I think it's crazy because Netflix started by mailing DVDs out yeah. to people. <laughs> it was a subscription. Do you remember when you, those little booths that used to be in like Safeways yeah, and... We, we never did that as kids, but I do remember them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember when they first came out, it was just so weird yeah. because when you had Blockbuster and, and Roger's video... To me, it was like, well, why would you bother spending money putting DVDs, like, getting them out of a box and getting them when, like, you could walk up the street and just do that, like, instantaneously. Like, mm -hmm. I, the, the fact that you had to mail it away and get it made no sense to me. Because I was like, why? It's, yeah. They're here. Like, I can yeah. get them instantaneously. Um, but, yeah. And just to go from that concept getting into 
modern tech and to getting into streaming services obviously has just been this huge revolution in how we consume content. And um, by the end of 2018, uh, Netflix will have released a thousand original projects. All, of all time or just, just in, in a year. 2000 year? At the end of the year, a thousand original projects. Wow. Because it's, it's become a great space for, you know, not even like big time directors who get to make original projects like Bright with Will Smith. That yep. was a huge landmark for them with David Ayer, a bit of an original script. Um, and also tons and tons of smaller projects that, you know, get really tiny budgets that get to find a home on Netflix sometimes. Even like D-list horror films that get to be shown at Netflix. But still, for everyone creatively involved, yeah. they would have never, that would have never seen the light of day had like streaming services like Netflix never been around. So, and it's kind of funny because Disney has actually kind of contributed to the success because they mm -hmm. gave Netflix the license to show their Marvel films, uh, their TV shows. Uh, but now... I mean, this is kind of under, now. It kind of gives me more of a sense of why Disney wants to break off of Netflix. I don't know if you knew yep. they're getting their own subscription service now. So, like all the Marvel movies, all the Marvel TV shows, all the Pixar, Disney animated films, they're all going to taken off of Netflix, and they're going to go on just this Disney streaming service. Plus, they've said they're making like a new Star Wars original live action show. They've got like. Disney and anime, uh, Pixar shows and movies that they're going to show just on the service. Just on the service. Yeah. So who knows if that'll like hurt the market share of Netflix, that this is just like an all time high. Then after that move, it might take a bit of a dip because all that viewership is going to go like, think of all the, the adults who have young families, young kids, like this no longer like, Oh, put on yeah. Netflix and just watch your favorite Disney movies. Like, no, you, no, have, to you have to go to, to Disney, Disney channel now and like watch mm. it. So but still, that's a huge, that's an insane number. And that's huge for a company that, yeah, like you said, started as a little subscription service is now into like pretty much the world's leading media company. Um, and who would like, it's, it, and there's a big debate over, you know, its effect on theater chains in general, because yeah, it's, it's taken a hit because now people in my opinion, only go to the theaters really to watch big blockbuster films because there's, no, there's nothing that really gives you that crazy experience of being in the film and, like, huge action, huge yeah, set pieces on a big screen. It's not worth it otherwise. Yeah, otherwise or a it's, drama... It's, it's thought to be not worth it yeah. otherwise. Otherwise, in a drama, like, it's easier to watch on a small screen. I mean, I prefer watching them on a big screen because it has a bigger impact, but... Uh, yeah, that's fucking crazy town banana pants. And like, also the, you like that one? <laughs> crazy town banana pants. Uh, <laughs> also though, streaming services are getting more diverse. I mean, even though we, there's, there's still Hulu and Amazon prime that are still big contenders in that space at like Netflix continues to dominate. Yeah. Um, but with Disney getting their own subscription, uh, service pretty soon, and, you know, with theater chains, there's been a lot of questions on companies creating these boxes that allows you to rent, that would essentially allow you to rent films in the theaters for an extremely high price, for like 50 bucks mm -hmm. for the one movie. But the idea is that you would invite all your friends over, maybe split it like a pay-per-view event. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if your friend has like a giant 20-inch, 50-inch, 100-inch screen... 
they can be like, oh, Avengers Infinity War is in theaters. Yeah, well, you know, come to my like viewing basement and like split the cost and let's just fucking yeah. have our own party. So it's like there could be kind of chinks in that armor there, but we'll see how that all goes down. But huge, huge numbers for Netflix. So Sesame Street is really unhappy at the moment. Um, I don't know if you've seen this uh, R ba Red Band trailer that's been released recently. Um, it's called The Happy Time Murders, and it is a Muppet-themed film, and it's being directed by Brian Henson, who's Jim Henson's son, the famous creator who created the Muppets and had a big hand in creating Sesame Street and Pioneers. Black, Black and, Crystal? Uh, Dark, yes, Dark Crystal. Crystal yeah. yeah, he also made helped in that film as well. Um, so basically, The Happy Time Murders is a hard R-rated comedy starring Melissa McCarthy, and it's basically like, what happens to Muppets when they're behind closed doors? And it's about like this cop team trying to solve a murder but they meet Muppets who are like strippers and crackheads. And there's one scene where one of them's like, I'll suck your dick for $5. And it's just like really insane. And like, I've never, I mean, the, the concept of like Muppets being bad, I think has kind of been done, but not to this it's got kind of kind scale. Of a, uh, I had kind of like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit I, feel, but oh, like if that yeah. was hard R. Yeah. Very wacky and insane. And... The Sesame Street family is really not happy about this movie, not only for its hard R content and sexual innuendos and all this braunchy shit going on in it. It wasn't even innu innuendos. No, it was, it was like, not innuendo. Just... It was straight up like, I will kill you and suck your dick for money. Um, but so Sesame Street is suing STX Entertainment who is the, the company producing Happy Time Hours, because in their marketing, one of their taglines is uh, no sesame, all street. And just from using that phrase alone um, was enough for Sesame for the Sesame Street family to get super pissed off and wanting to sue the company for defaming their name, basically. Um, there was a statement received from io9 of all places that states the following sesame workshop learned last friday that the name sesame street is being used to market a graphic adult themed movie we were surprised and disappointed that sesame street a non-profit organization whose mission is to help kids grow smarter stronger and kinder is being exploited to market this r-rated film we immediately contacted the film's distributor stx films and requested that they remove our name from the film's marketing they declined to do so we take no issue with the creative freedom of the filmmakers and their right to make and promote this movie. Rather, this is about how our name is being misused to market a film with which we have no association. We regret that our fans and families have been confused by STX's marketing campaign. So right off the bat, they're suggesting that like kids and families have been seeing this R-rated trailer and are like what's happening to our sesame street muppets why are they sucking dick for five dollars which like i think that's a bit of a stretch definitely a stretch i think that's what they think is going to happen Has in reality bad. if your parents are letting you watch that content those are just bad parents if you're at an age where sesame yeah. street is like your life that's 
horrible. Um, yeah. But um, I was actually surprised that they that they just flat out said no. Like all they asked them to do is just take the yeah. Sesame Street part out of it. Like don't say well, all Sesame no Street, and they're just like, no, we're not going to do that. But I mean, it's not saying Sesame Street. It's it's a play on words. They. And the other part, the other spot that they used the the Sesame Street m- moniker or, or name was in the trailer um, because uh, the uh, Jim Henson's son is directing it, so they were using they were suggest they were saying like oh from the director of this Sesame Street movie from did the they director say that from the Sesame son Street. of the director? No, because he directed like following movies. Like, his he, son his did. Son did. Oh, yeah. Okay. So they're 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 not necessarily using the Sesame Street name in that instance to yeah. promote it. They're just they're using the fact that this this guy has already directed these big movies and these Sesame Street movies to then promote it. It's not using the name, it's using his association with the name. And well and that's the problem is that they don't want to be associated with this film at all. It's it's completely off brand and it's not but you can't you can't dictate projects that people who have been involved in your projects will be involved in later. I know, right? but this is this is the argument that they're going to bring up is that you know, on one side it's like yeah, this guy technically has the creative freedom to do and make what he wants, and he's been associated with these very kid friendly products in the past, but he's technically using those relationships as a gag for this creative endeavor yeah and the argument is like we don't care what you do like have fun making a raunchy muppet film we do not want our name mentioned at all because that tarnishes our name and our brand and our community which i can I, I can see that i do i agree i i see it from both sides but then at the end of the day it's like it comes down to creative freedom and property and like you said like you said like all sesame no street and it's like it's just a play on words it's literally like if this goes to court it's just going to be like it goes down to the lawyers like who creates the best argument for what because it's like both sides have legitimate arguments to be said then it just gets into like legal loopholes and like you know yeah who can come out on top it's interesting this is a really interesting uh situation yeah yeah the rap offered some additional details in the suit saying sesame street or sesame seeks to enjoin defendants deliberate effort to appropriate its sesame street mark and its trusted brand and goodwill to promote their r-rated movie the happy time murders by way of a violent and sexually explicit trailer sesame street is a registered trademark of sesame an organization with a long and storied history of helping kids grow smarter stronger and kinder the suit Filed against the STX Productions reads, Defendant's wildly distributed marketing campaign features a just-released trailer with explicit profane drug-using, misogynistic, violent, copulating, and even ejaculating puppets, along with the tagline, (laughs) No Sesame All Street. Defendants do not own, control, or have any right to use the Sesame Street mark. Instead, they are distributing a trailer that deliberately confuses consumers into mistakenly believe that Sesame is associated with, has allowed, or has even endorsed or produced the movie and tarnishes Sesame's brand. Um, I mean, that's a strong argument. <laughs> but I like, I don't know. I think, does it though? I think that's just, 
like who you are as a person. I watch that as someone who I guess who's into movies. But even if I wasn't that into movies, I would see an R-rated Muppet movie and know instantly that Sesame Street had nothing to not do with involved. this. Like yeah. that, that that's just common sense. Like yep, I agree. Oh my god, what's Sesame Street doing? They've suddenly taken an R-rated route. Like, come on. You'd have to be pretty fucking thick to think that. But then there are a lot of gullible parents. Yep. Who Or parents who are just, you know, quite overprotective of uh, what's presented to their children. But that's not that's the thing. It's not for their kids. I know. And if you're a parent and your kids are watching R-rated things on YouTube or Google and they're five. That's what on are you, you. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> get away from the fucking computer and your phone and look up at their baby monitor and watch what your toddler's watching. Yeah. Um, but it's got a good cast and uh, it's going to star Melissa McCarthy, like I said, Maya Rudolph, Love Joel her. McHale, Elizabeth Banks. Uh, supposed to be released this year, August 17th. So we'll see how that all comes about. I'm not the biggest fan of Melissa McCarthy either. I think she's taken a big... She, hey, you're looking at me weird right now, for those of you listening. But I think she's taken a huge nosedive from her yep. bridesmaids days. Yep. She had a good like sidekick thing going. She, she starred in a couple films that did okay, but like... Her misses are way more than her hits. Okay, but I mean, I think that that's you, the the often usual trajectory for a comedy movie lead. Take a look at Adam Sandler. Take a look at... Adam Sandler is huge fucking misses. Like, no one's arguing with that. Uh, same thing, but like, also Will Ferrell. It was, you know, he had his high, and then it, it's been a slow, mm. downward fall. He's kind of taken a break from movies a little bit. I know, but the last few he's done have not been that great. Uh, right? I just, yeah. I, I, I think that that is a very common... Um, story in in comedy because you know you can only do certain things so many times so you know this I, is different i'll give her that it's different and she's playing yeah. more of a more of like a straight man finally uh in a comedy because she always played the same person in all of her movies why why is amanda <laughs> laughing i'm laughing because you're <laughs> You're saying like, oh, she's doing good now because she's playing a straight man. Not literally a straight man. It's a. <laughs> I know. It's, it's a just, phrase. Was, the phrase was really funny. She's uh, playing a serious character in, in a comedic film. I'll, yeah. I'll rephrase. Yeah. Um, when she was always playing the same archetype over and over, much like Will Ferrell was doing, that like kind of drove him into a bad place because he was playing the same comedic character over and over yeah, again he was he's just like i'm the Will guy Ferrell. good at really good at this one sport or activity and like i'm gonna be super confident and an asshole and Melissa mccarthy was like i'm the fumbling dumbling blah 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 like yeah goofy character um but anyways that's really interesting and i <laughs> i'm kind of interested to see where this goes if the lawsuit moves forward if it affects the movie's opening in any way like if I'm it gains a lot of traction sometimes those uh those um, lawsuits can pause 
like the production entirely even though it's already filmed and it's about to release they can block the distribution because that's what they're fighting against right but i feel like that's a type of movie and like that uh exposure on it would just create more of a want to see it yeah so then the black like that would just be that would it would be released online and it would be fine and finally to end this edition of the movie news wrap-up James Mangold, the director of the hugely popular and probably one of the best films of 2017, Logan. Oh, yeah. Is going to be directing a Boba Fett standalone movie. Um, this news got released just, I think, two days ago. It was like on the Friday or Saturday. Um, yeah, so this is huge. These spinoff films, if you're kind of in the Star Wars movie fan loop um you know that their development of these spin-off films have been pretty all over the place um there's been a lot of rumors as to what they've been thinking about sort of which movies to put out one in front of the other um there was this uh, a weird when no one knows if it was photoshopped or if it was a elusive picture but there was this conference for movie distribution uh, a couple of years ago in Vegas and this picture was circling around that had four movie posters on a big screen potentially for investors to, in, to invest in the films uh, and one was Rogue One Han Solo, Boba Fett and Kenobi um, yeah and then there were rumors of maybe a Yoda spinoff but no, that seems I don't weird see that. <laughs> but these four those four titles for spinoffs have been circling around the water cooler for a long time. No one's mm. confirmed them. No one's denied them. But well, everyone's been saying Rogue like... One and Solo have been yeah. confirmed. Um, and yeah, and then Boba Fett and a Kenobi movie, which a lot of like, again, Kenobi has not been official yet. No one's put their stamp on it. But a lot of people are like weirdly noticing Ewan McGregor coming to a lot of premieres. And like he is part of the Star Wars world, but like... Yeah, so anyway, mm -hmm. put a kibosh on that. Back to Boba Fett. So, the war the Star Wars' best bounty hunter is finally going to get his own movie with a huge director behind it. Like, getting the director of Logan definitely does nothing but good things for your film overall. Um, this is interesting, though, because I feel that, you know, this is a big announcement and a lot of, there's obviously a ton of Boba Fett fans out there and it's, like, most people's most favorite Star Wars character. Yeah. Um, but they may have shot, like may have just announced this a little bit too soon because the box office numbers came out for Solo, Solo and it was not good. Uh, they, I think on the preview night on Thursday, it made like 14 million, which was like pretty good for a Thursday opening. Um, but then the weekend numbers came in and it was just pretty low i can't off the top of my head remember what it was but i, I remember seeing it and them being like yeah it's not good um mm. on rotten tomatoes the score for han solo the approval is just behind attack of the clones no in the in the rotten tomatoes rating <laughs> of all star wars it's in prequel territory no um and i think even the audience like uh rating for it was like 37 percent um oh, amanda, i haven't seen it amanda yet. has not seen solo a star wars story i have seen it 
And I'm not going to spoil it or ruin it for her because I think she still wants to see it. Yes. And I don't think it's a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. Um, there's a lot of words being thrown around of playing it too safe, being very predictable, and I feel that's very true. Um, and with all the controversy of directors changing and, you know, them having leads that aren't, you know, marquee names, but not even that because Rogue One didn't have marquee names in its lead cast. It's just, I think the story they were trying to tell was very bland and not very exciting. So when you have, it's kind of a weird mixed bag because on one side you have all these great announcements for a great director, an amazing character that people want to see in a film, but you know, ideally you want to keep the ball rolling and going off of a success and getting people even more stoked for it. But it feels like the feeling that you get from fans in general are like, oh, Solo, eh, it wasn't very good. But Boba Fett will be amazing. So it doesn't seem to be like curbing yeah. that excitement at all. Um, and this has been in development for a long time. And a lot of sort of production news were coming out that they m were maybe thinking of tailoring the Boba Fett to like uh, a series on the Disney streaming service. Kind of like an HBO oh, yeah, yeah. style okay. show, um, which could have been really interesting. Have like a crime yeah. hour drama yeah. with like Boba Fett involved. Um, but I think like you can't look at those numbers of Boba Fett merchandise and just not do a movie. You got to try swinging yeah. for it at least well, it's, once. It's crazy too because Boba Fett um, in Empire, his character, he didn't even, he had like, what was it? One line? He had a couple and, lines. Like, he had, it was like three minutes of screen time. And the character, and the character, even from that minute, small side character status, has grown into this huge, huge books, like, comics, yeah. Novels. Well, and like from there, even like as his character, an entire civilization, planet, Man race of people was well, created out of that. Yeah, because the. Um, Mandalorians and Star Wars is a race of warrior people. He On himself, I don't think, is a Mandalorian. I think He's... he steals Mandalorian armor. The armor that Boba Fett wears in Star Wars no, lore he... is from the Mandalorian race and people of these, of yeah. these, of these yep. aggressive uh, galactic warriors. But he himself isn't from the planet. He just steals, he stole their armor and wears it. I thought that his dad was a Mandalorian. Possibly. The, the clone that they made, the clone, because they wanted someone who right. was really good um, in terms of it's, combat yeah. and all of that. And I, from from my understanding... Makes I, sense. I, I, I don't know that I, That's, that's what head. I remember, but I could yeah. be wrong. Um, but just the Mandalorian people, it's it's a really, really interesting history and... Uh, um, clone Is it Clone Wars? or is Yeah, it's Clone yeah. Wars goes really into it. Quite. Oh yeah, the cartoon show is amazing. Um, but and needless, Rebels, too. yeah, needless to say, there's a lot of history and a lot of lore behind the character, and they have a lot of source material to go from. Mm -hmm. um, there is another side to this though, where a lot of fans are not happy about it because they feel that with Boba Fett, the reason he's so uh, such an attractive character is because of his mystery. Is yeah. because. You don't know who's behind the mask and that silence and, you know, has a lot going for him. And a lot of fans are I afraid. I agree with that. Yeah. And a lot of fans are afraid that, you know, with every good idea, it could be turned out really great or 
they could do the Anakin thing from the from the prequels where they'd be like, you're going to finally know the truth behind your favorite character. And you're like, oh, that's a truth I didn't want to know about. And like could, could, could completely ruin the whole mystery and lore behind it. So we'll see. And like Solo kind of did that a little bit. Like in the movie, it's this isn't spoilers because they, they show in the trailer and it's in the log line. But like they show you how he does the Kelsa run. They show you how he meets Chewie. They show you all these things, how he meets Lando. And, you know, in comics and novels and other things that have explored this territory, you're kind of are expecting it to be shown and done in a very interesting and cool way. But then when you see in the movie, it's just kind of like, oh, all right. Well, and I like I think that 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 uh, lends itself well to good storytelling is when you have things that are within uh, the realm of your story, but it it shows you that there's a world and a history past that. I like that. So when you know every everything about the story you know, it it, it um, limits what I what I can imagine and how big the world and the story feels. Yeah. So, you know, having having an established relationship between Han and Chewie where they're they're brothers, they're you know, they're best friends, they're brothers um, like I, and that to me tells me this long history of like, they, there was probably an epic story of how they met and how they established their relationship. I want that to be a mystery, as you were saying, like, I want that to, to make it feel bigger than it actually is. So if they're telling the story, then that's limiting what, what I can imagine and what I get from it. Yeah. So we'll kind of see where it goes. Also, like where they want to pick up in the Boba Fett story, like, obviously, there's where he was a kid in Clone Wars movies yep. to Jedi, where he's, you know, an empire where he's a fully-fledged bounty hunter. Do they show you that rise of him becoming a bounty hunter? Is he already a bounty hunter? And he's just kind of, you know, like, it's kind of like the Deadpool style of, of editing and storytelling, where, like, you meet him, he's established Boba Fett bounty hunter, like, murdering tons of people and then you see a flashback of like him growing up and being a kid and getting into yeah. that world like intersecting with the main storyline of him going after um a bounty and then along that main storyline you get flashbacks you get tidbits of yeah. like his history and stuff so that yeah. could be a really simple way of doing it and fun yeah. <clears throat> um but we'll see and i'm super stoked that they got james mangle to direct it i feel you know coming off of logan if he puts that same kind of Wild West style to more of a space opera feel, it could be very, very cool. Yeah. Um, and also, fun fact, Boba Fett, his first appearance wasn't in the Empire Strikes Back film. He was actually, the first appearance was in a TV cartoon Chris movie, or oh. it might have been the Christmas special cartoon yeah part of that christmas special that's like famous for being one of the worst <laughs> worst specials of all time um pieces of marketing for star wars but there was a cartoon within that christmas special that was the first time you saw boba fett and i can't remember the cartoon off the top of my head what happens but he shows up and it's it's his outfit it's his helmet it's his jet backpack and apparently at the time it was like just still around 1979 1980 it was after new hope before it was after new hope yeah um and uh kids saw that cartoon character and went mental 
They're like, who is that guy? Oh my God, that's amazing. And then you were able to pre-order a Boba Fett figure because um, they have all those original Kenner Star Wars figures yeah. that are super collectible and people go nuts for. Yeah. So you had to mail in this rebate thing to get your Boba Fett figure. So already before Empire Strikes Back was coming out, there was this huge like um, love for the character from kids. Yeah. Even before the movie came out. So then when they got to see it on that character on the big screen, it was like, oh my God, there he is. So it was this weird like marketing yeah, loop. backwards. Where right? they already got the kids so excited for a character they'd never seen on screen because it was a cool cartoon. And yeah. then they got to see it on screen for the first time. And he was so badass. And that's where all that love and lore came from. Mm. Crazy, huh? Yeah. Anyway, James Mangold for Boba Fett movie. I'm stoked. Please don't fuck it up. Disney. And that's it. We're done. That is it for the movie news wrap up on this edition of the Rated Par podcast. I want to thank my lovely lady. Hello. <laughs> yeah. For coming on and no problem. being a nerd with me. Um, if you want to follow her on social media, it's Amanda B-E-A. Yep. At Instagram. On Instagram. <laughs> yeah. At Amanda B-E-A. I'm Kevin Parr. You can find me on social media at Rated Par, Rated Par Media. Go on Facebook. Look at the Rated Par Media Facebook page. I have vlogs on there. I've got photos. I've got tons of stuff going on. So... Anyways, guys, thanks again for listening. And as always, put down the remote and go watch a motherfucking movie.